indeed there are more questions and answers like why is it that to stop windows you have to click on start and why do fools fall in love hi america hello world my name is adrian lee and i am your host welcome to the show more questions than answers the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world each week my guests and i will search the world's newspapers websites and tv shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea, with tonight's guests somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly, from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivist and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. And we are completely live and unedited. So what could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather realised this week that if you travel at the speed of light and turn your headlights on, you won't see where you're going. Welcome to the show, Heather. (laughs) Hello. These are the kind of problems that keep me awake at night. I often think of bizarre things like that. Like, why is the fluff in your belly button a different colour to any of your jumpers and sweaters? How is that even possible? <laughs> These keep me awake for hours and hours on end, pondering the mysteries... What, digging the fluff out? ...of the universe. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere in Minnesota there is the world's largest belly button limp ball, somewhere in a small town. Or a mouse wearing a toupee. <laughs> if, you, if, a, if a mouse is in never, ever in need of a toupee, then my belly button would be a good place to start, I would suggest, but who knows such things? I think I'm right in suggesting that Darwin in Minnesota, has the world's biggest ball of string. Is that correct? You're all local. I'm sure that's true. We shall look this up. But of course, there are always more questions than answers. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. 
Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim realised this week that experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. Welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> Hello. Finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He's married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC Outside Broadcast Department. He is also a producer and sound mixer. Greg has spent this week wondering if you need a silencer to shoot a mime. Hello, Greg. Hello. And Lord knows I'm sure we've all wanted to shoot a mime. We are currently at show 25, which is quite a remarkable achievement. Does anyone know what the 25th anniversary is? If you are are married and you're wedded for 25 years, what do you get? Crystal. Crystal, no. There's points to go begging here straight off the bat. Silver. It is silver. You shall have three points for being informative. So Greg has very kindly bought Kit Kats and we're sharing those at the moment. Did you know there were 25 prophets mentioned in the Quran? So that's a very important number in Islamic culture. And 25 is the oldest you have to be, or the youngest, should I say, you have to be to be a representative elected to the House of Representatives. So I don't know if people are aware of that, but 25, that now means the show can be elected to the House of Representatives if we want to vote for our show. One of the things I wanted to discuss straight away is we've been following the World Cup over the last few weeks on the show. I don't want to spend too long on that, of course, but it's very interesting that we had a story a few weeks ago about how Mexico was employing warlocks and witches to preside over the matches and they played against Cameroon in their opening game and they won and Mexico have gone quite a long way through the tournament on the back of having paranormal and supernatural help. Well, apparently the mojo appears to have now run out because they did in fact lose to Holland last week and uh, they must have run out of candles or, or sage or there's just a general lack of virgins and goats now available in Mexico. <laughs> but ultimately it was interesting watching that progress. But of course, you know, if you ask for things and at some point down the line, you have to give back. So that's probably why they lost to Holland. Does anyone want to comment on anything to do with witchcraft, Mexico, candles, virgins or goats at this stage? How about the cup? The cup. Yeah. How about the fact that another person, this is a follow up story to my last one. And I think you read that one, too, that someone else has now died from watching the World Cup. Oh, yes. There's there's casualties all over the world. I think you mentioned mm-hmm. the fact that a man in China last week stayed up for 11 right. days consecutively and then died, bizarrely enough. But a gentleman, unfortunately, yes, did have a cardiac arrest, a Brazilian gentleman, mm-hmm. when Brazil were taking their penalties the other day. And, uh, yes, it's a very stressful... There was a man in Britain <laughs> who died watching a comedy show on the television. He laughed so hard. He killed over and died, and his widow wrote to the comedy show and said, I'm really pleased my husband died laughing at your jokes and laughing. You know, he went out of this It world went just as we planned. With a smile, <laughs> a smile on his face. Well, I'm just worried now. If there's listeners out there laughing too hard, um, obviously don't sue us if you're Call us ones. if you happen to die. If you, yeah, to if you die at any point laughing during this show, be sure to come through to me psychically and I shall include you in the credits at the end. We're going to sprint into the first round. Heather has already started on a three, so all to play for. We're in the round of ghosts and hauntings. So what have you got for me tonight? A liar made from an actual human skull looks positively devilish. 
Every week we have to put up with Greg's stomach, don't we? Have you noticed that? <laughs> <laughs> have my Kit Kat, Greg. You need it more than me. The Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City now serves as a home to a bizarre musical instrument that looks nothing short of devilish, and that probably sounds like something the fallen one would choose as a ringtone. The musical instrument in question is a lyre made from an actual human skull. That's right. Somebody at some point in history was just the right amount of twisted, depraved, and rotten to the core to turn someone's head into a lyre. According to Technobob, this peculiar instrument dates back to the 19th century. It measures 14 inches in length, 5 inches in width, and 5 inches in diameter. As if the human skull were not enough to really freak people out, whomever made this musical instrument also used antelope horns, skin, gut, and even hair to complete their creation and make it as macabre as possible. Sounds like a French recipe. <laughs> I am... Oh, Greg, I'm sorry. <laughs> Early use of the inappropriate bell. There is a... Wasn't it Star Wars or Return of the Jedi where they've got all those strange animals playing musical instruments and I'm sure one of them was beating on Mos some... Easley? On some skulls. Not in Mos Eisley, but the, uh, in Jabba the Hutt's palace. Do you remember? They had Sai mm. Snootles and... All the little creatures running around. I'm sure one of those was banging on a set of drums that was made up of skulls. But really? I'm sure I'm surprised that was the 19th century. When you was reading that, I was expecting you to say that that was, you know, no. a couple of thousand years ago. But that's very recent, isn't it? Yeah. The bad news for those who would love nothing more than to come face to eye sockets with this liar is that the musical instrument is now kept in storage at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. To make matters even worse, it is currently unclear whether it ever will go on display i suspect they may be able to find a picture i know this doesn't help listeners at home but yes for the benefit of our listeners let's show everyone the picture fantastic yes it's a skull with some antelope horns and it looks a bit like a harp and uh, it's got hair of all things yeah it looks like alice cooper wow (laughs) (laughs) seriously that's alice as as we live and breathe that is alice cooper you shall have a score for reviling us with horror and being very informative she on up to a very healthy fire yay i've got a story here it says staff at new look store in sidmouth fear prudish ghost is haunting shop frightened fashion shop staff calling a medium amid fears their store was haunted by a victorian granny who disapproves of the skimpy outfits on sale workers at the new look branch in sidmouth devon said they had heard mysterious bangs footsteps and ghostly whisperings they were convinced the bizarre going-ons were linked to a former local named gladys whose prudish taste clashes with the chain's fashionable clothes staff were so scared they called in spiritual medium linda helica who poured cleansing salt on the shop floor and attempted to communicate with the old-fashioned pensioner and since the visit they claimed the paranormal activity has quietened down although they still say hello and make polite conversation with Gladys in case she gets grumpy. How many people around the world, and certainly I know we do this, have hauntings and ghosts in their house and actively just go around saying hello to them and, hi, how are you? It's quite a, a regular occurrence. We yeah, do that, yeah. Absolutely. So uh, these things are there to be done. The strange happening started in April when staff entered a previously unused storeroom on the top floor. They later learned it used to be Gladys's bedroom long before the building on the site of a former hotel became a shop around three decades ago. Manager Lisa Jordan said the room is normally out of bounds but we had to unlock it because a health and safety visitor came to check it out. I like the idea that a health and safety visitor 
comes to check out the shop. They go into a room they've never been in before, and he stirs up a lot of poltergeist activity. That's great, isn't it? You'd be ringing the health and safety department saying, since your guy came and visited me, our dog's floating, there's blood oozing out of the walls, and I'm vomiting pea green soup. We've since said, he says, we've been in the stockroom since, and we've heard footsteps coming down the stairs. We've even heard a strange swooshing that almost sounded like a disapproving sigh. One girl heard a whisper in her ear and she got scared and she ran into a table. Another of my girls felt something breathing on her neck. Well, I guess she was lucky it was her neck. It's really weird and quite frightening, she says. Lisa added, before she left, the medium asked us to put some flowers out as a nice gesture. When she checked on them later, the flowers were on the floor and the cup we put them in was smashed. Thankfully, it's been fairly quiet since then, so hopefully she's made her peace with us. It's very interesting, isn't it, how everyone thinks, as a historian, everyone thinks the Victorians were very prudish. But this is the era, you know, where they have opium dens, child labour. There was over 6,000 prostitutes in a one-mile square area in Whitechapel in the 1880s. And in actuality, you know, those things aren't true. The Victorians were very progressive, very forward-thinking. And of course, pornography was invented by the Victorians. And I think there's this kind of veneer to suggest the Victorians were prudish, when in actual fact, they were up to all sorts. I'm absolutely 100% convinced of that. But where it says they found the flowers on the floor and the cup that was smashed, reminds me of a story where my dad came home from work. I remember this as a small child, because, you know, when you, have, when you see an interaction between your parents as a child, you know, it sticks in the memory. But my dad came home from work, and he was clutching a large bunch of flowers and my mum said what are they for my dad said well I saw them at the railway station and I thought I'd buy them for you and my mum said you've never ever bought me flowers my dad spent the next hour with my mum saying to him what have you done wrong why are you feeling guilty how come you bought me flowers my dad had this in his ear for an hour this is the god's honest truth my dad said at that moment in time this is 1976 said I will never buy you flowers ever again and to this day my mum has never received a bunch of flowers since from my oh. father. So there you go. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Vampire skeleton discovered in Poland. <laughs> Your mother's arrived. <laughs> Archaeologists working in northwestern Poland have unearthed the remains of a man who was buried with a rock jammed into his jaw and a stake driven into his leg. Oh, that's normally the sign of a vampire, isn't it? The, yes. uh, the old brick in the jaw. Yeah. They believe that the individual was considered to be a vampire and given a deviant burial by the local population. The discovery was made in a cemetery outside a church in Kamian Pomorski, a town close to the German border. You're going to get marks <laughs> just for pronouncing that name right. So you're already on three. Cool. <laughs> They believe the skeleton date ba dates back to the 16th century. It was found facing, facing east instead of west, the typical orientation of a burial, and with a wound in the leg. At first, the lead archaeologist thought the injury was caused by a gunshot, but later tests revealed it was a puncture wound caused by a wooden stake that was meant to prevent the corpse from getting up. Wow, so they pinned it to the ground. They pinned it to the coffin, in effect. Yes, I love the idea. I mean, this is quite common amongst uh, burials of people that are presumed to be vampires, especially around Eastern Europe, of putting a brick or a large stone in their mouth. That's quite a common... I didn't uh, know that until I read this article. Yeah, that's a common piece of symbolism. That's very interesting. Does it go on to mention anything else? Uh, it just talks about that the rock was put into his mouth so hard it knocked out his top front teeth. 
and that they've actually found several vampire burials in various locations, uh, Bulgaria, Venice, Poland, Europe. I'm guessing if he was buried in Venice, that's a burial at sea. I, um, <laughs> I find it remarkable. It's true, there's no land. It's just water, isn't it? You know, you could walk across the road and people would be praying for you and uh, worshipping you, no doubt, for walking on water. In fact, there are places you can walk across. In the height of summer in Venice, you can actually walk across uh, some of the canals because there's crust on top of them. Isn't Venice sinking? It is sinking. Slowly. They're doing a lot of work there at the moment to reinforce. It's built on clay. And, uh, of course, London's also built on clay and London is also sinking. But they, do, they, they are working, as we speak, at trying to shore up Venice is a remarkable place. I've been there many times as a as a historian that had a specialism in the early Renaissance period. And it is a fabulous place to be, but you want to avoid it in the tourist season and it floods regularly. But if you go there in March, for example, they have all their festivals there. The festival with the masks, where everyone wears a mask and uh, it's all very Baroque, isn't it? It looks fabulous. San Marco Square. So if you ever get a chance to go to Venice, avoid the height of summer because of the tourists and the smells. But other than that, I would recommend it's a fabulous place to be not a good place for burying bodies this raises the question actually of where does one bury a body in venice i'd never considered that before there's no cars absolutely no cars at all it's a fabulous place to be i shudder to think about whether that individual was actually still alive when they did those things to him or were oh. they dead do you see what i mean if you say the rock was pushed so hard into his mouth his front teeth were knocked out and if he had a stake pinned through his leg was it to keep mm -hmm. him in place was he was he alive when this was taking place, do you think? Do you see what I mean? It, may, it does pose many questions of a grisly nature as to where that would be going. I have a story here under the theme of ghosts and hauntings. It says, members of terror group Boko Haram have allegedly been arrested in Nigeria after fleeing a forest to escape deadly bites from mystical bees and mysterious snakes. Ever fled from a mysterious Snake, Greg? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. How about a buzzing bee? Maybe once or twice. I got stung in the groin once as a child. A bee flew up my shorts. You, you certainly know who your friends are at that point in time. <laughs> I want no. something to take away the pain but keep the swelling. I actually ran in to my mum's uh, kitchen and uh, I explained what had happened. I was out playing soccer in the yard and a bee flew up my shorts and uh, one thing led to another. But I said to my mum clutching you know the jewels as it were i said i've been stung by a bee tears streaming down my face and my mum turned to me and said well what would you like me to do about it <laughs> and i sat there in silence for 10 minutes in pain but it says according to nigerian newspaper i wait for my dad to come home according to nigerian newspaper vanguard the captured insurgents claimed the creatures possessed by ghosts had killed many boko haram members we were told that the aggrieved people who had suffered from our deadly missions, including the ghosts of some of those we killed, are the ones turning into snakes and bees, one militant told Vanguard. Our leaders fled too. It's very interesting, isn't it, that this insurgent group, um, that's a terrorist organisation, and I will go on to describe the things they've done, are now fearing that the ghosts of those they've killed are coming back to possess wildlife, snakes and bees, to then attack them. And of course, the Native Americans were fully aware that during a battle they were concerned about the people they killed in battle and a lot of the dances they do after the battle people think they're victory dances and so forth but they were actually dancing due to the fact that they wanted to pray and get rid of the spirits of the people they killed so they weren't no longer hanging around them so that was very 
I guess I was going to say very progressive, but then they invented that concept and we're just kind of getting hold of those ideas now. Boko Haram made headlines worldwide for the kidnapping of 220 schoolgirls in Chibok, Borneo State last April. Some Boko Haram members believe the insects and reptiles are hunting the insurgents to punish them for the mass abduction. Violence linked to the Boko Haram insurgency has resulted in an estimated 10,000 deaths between 2002 and 2013. So possess snakes and bees or guilty conscience, I would suggest. Do you remember, was you with us, Heather, many years ago when we went on an investigation in a private residency in Woodbury in the Twin Cities? No, I wasn't at that one. There was a lady there who rang me up and was very insistent that my team come out to look at her house, claiming that there were bees haunting her. She said she had ghost bees attacking her at night and she had photographs of where the bees had stung her on her body, but she claimed... They were ghost bees. And I did a lot of research on this. I spent a week seeing if there was any other notices or any other history or anything written or detailed about the idea of bees being in spirit. Of course, that's a collective, isn't it, in many respects? It's not an individual bee. It'd have to be a a collective haunting, I guess. And uh, I did lots of research on this and didn't find too much. And I went to her house and she showed me where the bed was, where the bees ghostly bees had come and attacked her it was at that point that several members of my team actually found uh, a meths laboratory in her basement so uh, from that moment on i know (laughs) so a very interesting evening spent at that house but ghostly bees and ghostly snakes bring to an end the first round of ghosts and hauntings we move into the round now that we call ufos and cryptozoology it's green men and hairy beasties. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the rounds of UFO and cryptozoology? Grizzly golem-like monster photographed in China. Girls on film. Golem's on film, no doubt. <laughs> yes, golem is. This is a very interesting story, actually. You, you go for it. This is fabulous. An unidentified man camping in the hills near the city of Beijing in China claims to have come across and to have photographed an odd-looking monster whose appearance reminded him of the Lord of the Rings character Gollum. The Chinese tourist said that at the time he came across the ledge monster, he and his friends were exploring a valley. The Gollum-like creature was spotted lurking in some bushes in the area. I walked far away to have a pee and suddenly saw a monster. No jokes. (laughs) (laughs) That happens to me at least five times a day. (laughs) I took a few pictures of it. No, 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 we haven't done that, no. (laughs) But I am now terrified by my courage then. To prove that he is no liar, the Chinese tourist has agreed to share some of the photos he took with the general public. Two of these photos are available, and they clearly show an odd-looking fellow squatting in some bushes. The bad news for those who would love it if Gollum were real is that, by the looks of it, the monster is uh, what friends caught on camera was actually a science fiction actor in disguise, who was shooting a short film in the region. I wonder what you was going to say he was doing then, because does he, go on? <laughs> he was shooting in the area, was he? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Thus, shortly after seeing the photos hit the online community, this actor has stepped forward and said that the monster photographed by the Chinese tourist was actually him relieving himself there in the woods. Go. I knew that would be the <laughs> And case. taking a break from work. He was doing exactly what the tourist was doing, wasn't he? <laughs> I'm not surprised the Great Wall of China is actually being eroded by the acid in urine as we speak. (laughs) 
Needless to say, the actor was not exactly thrilled to find out that somebody had taken photos of him in that compromising position. He's lucky he didn't take a picture of him from behind because we'd have seen Lord of the Rings. <laughs> God. <laughs> no. What? The you Twin Towers? Waiting. Oh, no. There we go. Happy days. I love this show. <laughs> Thus, he says that all things considered, he was pretty embarrassed by this incident. As much sense as the idea that the creature in the Chinese tourist photos was not a golem-like monster, but a man in disguise might make, word has it that some believe the actor's story to be just a cover-up, and that the hills near Beijing are in fact home to a yet-to-be-identified creature. Wasn't there a song called Yellow River back in the day? What? That's the comment? Is Yellow River? Donovan? Dion? Who is that? (laughs) Someone tell me. I don't know. I, I... Remember the song you're talking about, which is aging me, I'm but sure it's... I don't know who. And, I'm going to go with Donovan. And here's the photographs if you'd like to just see and make a comment on whether you think it's a squatting actor or what. That does look very strange, but he's got a mask on there, isn't he? I don't know. Remember? Very, they very... think it might be a cover-up. It's ugly, whatever it is. You wouldn't want that as your son, would you? That's terrible. <laughs> 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 you take a look at... Let's say that what... is my son. <laughs> Nathan, it doesn't surprise me. I'm just glad I wasn't there during the conception. Oh. I'm sure that whoever's son that is stood in the maternity wing and said, I think I'll call that a day. No. I've got a strange... Oh, no. Greg, there's people laughing. How dare you? It says here, a dog walker dialed 999, which is our equivalent of 911, to report seeing a leopard at a beauty spot. How many... Sp- <laughs> How many? Come here, Kitty. How many spots does a leopard have? Does anyone know? Just out of interest, points to be had. Silence. Collective. Forty-eight. Collective. One. Well, it's got three hundred and twenty-five, but three hundred and twenty-six <laughs> if you lift its tail. Diane <laughs> <laughs> <Don> Lennon. <laughs> Greg's on a resplendent minus six. <laughs> Diane Lennon was walking her terrier collie across Denton near New Haven in Britain when they came across the spotty brown coloured big cat just in front of her. Mrs Lennon, 66, said it was just yards away. It was in front of us and looking away so I didn't think it saw us and I was just praying it didn't turn around. I was just hoping the dog didn't bark. It was walking in front of us and just walked away. We were heading towards it so I turned around and hoped it didn't smell. My fear... I didn't even look behind me. I was so scared. Then I ran home with the dog and phoned 999. They told me I had to call the non-emergency number. When do you ever need 999? Has that not a non-emergency? That you're walking through the park (laughs) and there's a leopard. I just find that remarkable. What what kind of emergencies are there then if that's not an emergency? Seems absolutely bizarre to me. She says they asked me lots of questions like what shape its ears were and whether it was bigger than a Labrador. Its tail was right up and I can't remember what its ears looked like because I was so scared and keen to get out of there. I've been on safari twice and it looked just like a leopard. I love the idea that there's Land Rovers full of leopards wandering around with binoculars and cameras all around the Mall of America taking pictures of humans in their natural environment. It would just be a joy, wouldn't it? So if anyone sees the leopard that's wandering around Denton, I'm sure someone has lost a pet or perhaps something's escaped there. But I find that remarkable, that that's not a non-emergency. What else have the police in Denton got to do, you know, on a Friday night? I just find that incredible. 
What have you got for me tonight, Kim, in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Retired U.S. Marine claims he spent 17 years on Mars protecting five human colonies from Martians. <laughs> That's uh, Greg's playing those pan pipes incredibly well, isn't he? One day he'll get to use his lips on those. Fantastic. <laughs> The retired officer, known only as Captain K, also claims to have served in a secret space fleet run by a multinational organization called the Earth Defense Force. A former U.S. Marine has claimed he spent 17 years of his career on Mars. The ex-naval infantryman who uses the pseudonym Captain K says he was posted to the Red Planet to protect five human colonies from indigenous Martian life forms. He claims he then spent nearly three years serving in a secret space fleet run by a multinational organization called the Earth Defense Force, which recruits military personnel from countries including U.S., Russia, and China. In testimony released to ExoNews TV, Captain K said he was trained to fly three different types of space fighters and three bombers. He added that training took place on a secret moon base called Lunar Operations Command, Saturn's moon, Titan, and in deep space. What's he been smoking? (laughs) Was he in Vietnam by any chance? I have no idea. How long would it take to get to Titan and back? Well, it's going to take... It's a five-year round trip to Mars. So that's just Mars. That's our nearest planet. Titan, it's about nine years, isn't it? That's that's an 18-year round trip. And the other thing is that that's going to have... He's going to have to sign the Official Secrets Act. If it's that secret... You would sign the official secrets act, so this guy would now be arrested. He wouldn't be able He'd be dead. to even say uh-huh. these things. But you know, I know that America is a very quiet, insular, reserved nation. So I can understand that if you'd put men on Mars, you'd keep quiet about it. <laughs> but you know, I can't help thinking. <laughs> know your audience, ladies and gentlemen. I can't help thinking that if anyone would have got to Mars, you'd have that all over the newspaper. Mm. It's propaganda. You know, it's votes for the president. It's, it's uh, showing how fabulous your country is. You would shout that from the rooftops. So uh, on those two things alone, I would say that story is probably large part hyperbole, I would suggest. Well, I think we should go talk to ex-Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld because it also says that he had a retirement ceremony on the moon that that he claims was presided over by VIP Donald Rumsfeld. That must have been a terrible party with no atmosphere. <laughs> oh. I've got a story here. I will give you points because it's very informative and uh, very funny in part. So you should get a resplendent five. You're now on to eight points. I've got a very similar story here in many respects. It says NASA flying saucers test Mars technology. A NASA experiment on Saturday to test future Mars landing technologies proved largely successful. We're going to need to uh, think of a new meaning for the word successful, though, because I go on to tell you how bad this has failed. But if NASA are doing experiments with technology to try and work out how they're going to land on the planet, doesn't that then render the previous story in irrelevance or redundant sure to would. a certain degree. This is a flying saucer-shaped vehicle was sent high into the atmosphere via a balloon to trial a new type of parachute and an inflatable Kevlar ring that could help slow down a spacecraft as it approaches the red planet's surface. All of the equipment appeared to work apart from the parachute which failed to deploy. Now when it said this was a successful mission and the two things it had to do was to deploy a parachute and an inflatable ring, when it says the parachute failed to deploy, is this a new meaning for the word successful I hadn't previously been aware of? I'm just, you know, saying that. It's like saying I've got a car. 
But the only thing wrong with it is there's no engine or the engine doesn't work. It's very strange. It says the experiment was sent up from Hawaii. NASA hopes the lessons learned will enable it to put heavier payloads on Mars in the decades ahead. The current limit is about one and a half tons. If humans are ever to go to the planet, the mass capability will have to rise to well beyond 10,000 tons. I mean, that's a lot of M&Ms and a lot of toilet roll, isn't it, that you're going to have to take up with you <laughs> for a five-year mission. Saturday's test vehicle, known as the Low Density Supersonic Decelerator, that's an anachronism that's LSD, by the way, so we might get in a flavour now why this gentleman thinks he spent 17 years on Mars, ditched in the Pacific after its flight. Wouldn't it be great to think that all of NASA's technology is based on, you know, old men that were around in the 60s smoking and a high in at Woodstock, you know? <laughs> yeah, man, I love all that. Me, I saw the lights in the sky, man, and the rocket went up, man, but the parachute just fell. This is a real bummer, man. <laughs> but it's really interesting. It says teams were dispatched to try to locate the demonstrator so that its data recorder could be recovered, but I'm not sure how much is left due to the fact the parachute failed to open, so I'm pleased that was not a manned mission. We come to the end of the round, that is UFOs and cryptozoology. Be sure to stay tuned as we explore further the week's news of the paranormal and strange after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot, crop circles, ghosts, cars without engines, M&Ms, toilet paper and all things paranormal. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. For people believing that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours on end is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who has experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. If you believe that your business or product would benefit from being mentioned live on air across the nation and the globe to a large target audience of morbidly fascinated and strangely interested listeners, I would love to hear from you. You are listening to more questions and answers, which makes you very lucky, well-informed individuals of remarkably good taste. Well done and drinks all round. Just don't tell my mum and dad what I do. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania, for introducing the world to dirty hobo water and sometimes the annoying inability to say abominable snowman live on air welcome back for the second half of tonight's show if you've just joined us then where have you been and what could have been more important if you have stayed with me then let me raise your spirits further by saying we still have 50 percent of the show still left to go hurrah and high fives all around 
I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother, thankfully, has now stopped snoring from the room next door. So onwards we march. I wanted to mention before we start our round of the bizarre and strange that the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group have a fabulous website. If you go onto Facebook, you can see them. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group, they post stories from all around the world of UFOs and cryptozoology in the same way that we do. If you go to our website, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee, we have over 4,000 followers and all of tonight's stories will be there for you. We have to read an abridged version of the stories and you can't see all the photographs. If you want to see what the Chinese golem looks like taking a wee behind the Great Wall of China, I like the idea that you think to yourself, I wonder where I could go for a wee and you've got a thousand miles of Great Wall of China in front of you. It's hardly a difficult decision, is it, to be honest, I guess. I'm thinking they don't have many lavatories dotted along that particular route. I will be actually promoting my new book. My new book is called Tales from a Pioneer Town, the earliest stories of Salk Center, Minnesota. It talks about the earliest contact between the Native Americans in the Midwest and the first pioneers, and none of the stories have been seen before. I've used military and uh, letters and military documents so some fabulous stories. If you're interested in pioneer and Native American early history, I shall actually be doing a book signing in Long Prairie on the 12th of July. We're going to be doing a tour there on the Ghost Walk. So if you're in Long Prairie in the afternoon of the 12th of July, the Christie House, I shall be doing a book signing. But also there's a Ghost Walk at seven o'clock in the evening if people are interested. I shall be there with my team of the International Paranormal Society and there will be a donation of $10 which should go towards the non-profit organisation that is the Christie House Historical Society because they do fabulous work and all these little charities all over the Midwest need to be supported otherwise these things won't be here in a hundred years time they'll just be a car lot I suspect. We're moving quickly and rapidly into the round that is the strange and the bizarre the scores are very close at the moment Kim and Heather are tied for the lead on eight. I have a five, and Greg is on minus six for cricket noises. <laughs> <sighs> My mistake, that'll be minus eight. <laughs> you see I'm running an autonomous dictatorship here as we speak. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the bizarre and strange? Woman trying to kill a spider sets her entire home on fire. <laughs> Yeah. is the sound of the police <laughs> I love the idea I have to say you hear rap music and gangster rap and it's done in a you know a New York downtown accent and when I used to be a teacher it was hilarious to see children in Britain you know from middle class upbringings trying to talk rap or talking gangster you know you hear this very posh don't diss me your chief proper shanty man and it just doesn't work does it it no. doesn't have the same edge it to it, does it? That, that middle class home counties, you know, a U five O is is just not working there, is it? Sorry, do continue. Bizarre Did you and strange. Use that at all? Ever? I never ever spoke to my students in American gangster rap, so if that's where you're asking me to go, <laughs> that was something that never happened. Having said that, I used to do Scooby Doo impressions and all kinds of things like that. And my students would be well behaved and would be quiet throughout the entire length of the lesson if I did my Scooby-Doo impressions or my Austin Powers impressions at the end of the uh, lesson. And we had government officials come in to observe our lessons, like all teachers do, to see if you're doing your job. And uh, I'm wanting my kids to be well behaved because there's a government official sat in my room marking me, everything I do, everything I say. And this little kid spoke up and said, if we work well today, sir, will you do your Scooby-Doo impression? 
And I said, sure, cringing a little bit inside, thinking, my goodness, what's the government inspector going to think of this? How old were these kids? Hardly, (laughs) 18. Um, Hardly (laughs) professional. Anyway, at the end of the lesson, I said to the government inspector when the kids had left, you know, I really apologise about the Scooby-Doo thing. And he said, if you can get them to work and you can get them to sit quietly and get on with it, he said, it's great. He loved it. So full marks all round. But uh, there, you you know, there we go. So a woman set fire to her house. Seems a very, you know, a little bit extreme. I would so What was she chasing it with? A blowtorch? Uh, news from the U.S. says that a 34-year-old woman identified as Ginny Griffith now finds herself behind bars following a failed attempt to kill a spider using a bunch of flaming towels as her weapon. Oh, you've always got those on hand. They were doing massages with flaming towels last week, if you recall, in yes, China. Yes, they were. Who knew there'd be a market for flaming towels? That's how you kill spiders, apparently. I love the flaming towels. I've got all their records. I think their third CD was probably the best. Information shared with the public says that this past Friday at about 1.30 in the afternoon, 34-year-old Ginny Griffith was just minding her own business in her home in Hutchinson, Kansas, when she laid eyes on an arachnid. This is always what happens, isn't it? You're always minding your own business <laughs> in an afternoon and it comes along, you know. Wassling along. Wassling along. Do you know what wassling means? Isn't that caroling from door to door trying to get some drink or something? It's close to that. Yeah, wassling is an old medieval drinking festival. Here we go, a wassling. Who knew? Six yes. months to Christmas and we're singing Christmas hymns. You got a bit of a shock on your mail route this week, didn't you? Yes, I did. I was delivering Christmas catalogs. <laughs> Great. That must before the before the summer's even finished. How I don't think our snow's melted yet. <laughs> there are places in Duluth. Do you know in uh, car parks, car lots, they shovel the snow into big mountains out the way? There are photographs from Duluth that still show some of those mountains of snow up in the car park. That's true, I've You can go them. skiing down them. Tobogganing. <laughs> wow. I thought Greg was going tobogganing, but he turned out he just wanted to go to a cigar shop and I misheard him. <laughs> Greg's aiming for the lowest score in recorded history That's of this show right. at the moment. You're nearly into minus double figures, sir. It is unclear whether the spider only looked her back in the eye or also had the audacity to move its tiny feet just enough to really freak her out. <laughs> they haven't got feet. And it's got I'm eight eyes. I'm just reading the story. Okay, well, they obviously haven't done any They have research. eyes. They have eight of them, don't yes, they? Yes, they do. Um, but what is known is that the woman tried to kill it with what eventually turned out to be the worst possible way. In a nutshell, media report says that after locking eyes on the spider, the 34-year-old grabbed a hold of a cigarette lighter and used it to set some towels on fire. During this time, the spider was probably staring in amazement, trying to figure out what was happening. Having set the towels ablaze, the woman proceeded to fling them around the house, hoping that it would land on the spider and burn it to death. However, things did not play out quite like Ginny Griffith hoped they would. Thus, while trying to get rid of the spider, the woman ended up setting fire to her home. <laughs> and she did a pretty good job, as the firefighters were called, to gain control of the fire and put it out so nobody was injured. The bad news is that, for the time being, the woman finds herself behind bars and is awaiting to be released on bail. This is because the home that she nearly burned down was a duplex, and the other half was occupied when the incident occurred. Has the spider commented on this at all? Has it been interviewed? Um, I think it made it. You think it made it? <laughs> I like the idea that you're sitting in a cell awaiting your trial and the spider sat next to you. <laughs> Smoking what a was, cigarette. Yeah. What was you thinking? We were both living there. What was you thinking? I lost my web. I lost my web, my fly supply. 
My kids. My kids. <laughs> All 10,000 of them. God almighty. That's a little extreme. I bet the spiders I bet that spider's depressed. There should be a hotline for depressed spiders. Yeah, my house burnt down. I lost my web. I've got nowhere to go. It's just one thing after another, isn't it, with spiders with high blood pressure? Poor little thing. Which arm would you put the... Uh, if you're having a blood pressure test, where would you put the uh, <laughs> the inflatable, you know, you put would, your arm how, through? Think about how many handcuffs it would take. What, to handcuff a spider? Eight, I'm guessing. <laughs> Four. Four sets. Four. Oh, I see. Four sets. That could work. Are you going to tell your story about what happened to you when you were looking to... I thought we told that one, didn't we? What about how you had your blood pressure taken in Walmart? Have we already spoken about that? Oh, Perhaps that... you'd like to remind our listeners what you did in Walmart at the pharmacy when you went to have your blood pressure taken. Is that something you'd like to share with everybody? I was a little stressed out, so I thought I would have my blood pressure taken. And There's a little was, machine, isn't there? You sit in, you put your arm through Yes, it. and it wasn't occupied, and it was during the fall, so I had on um, a pulley. Yep, a sweater. Yep. And a shirt underneath, and so in order to get the cuff around your arm, you have to take off your pulley, mm-hmm. because otherwise it can't you get wanna, a You need grip. a nice snug yeah. fit, don't yeah. you, to have your blood pressure taken? I can see where you're going. So as I'm getting ready to have uh, to take my pulley off, I took it off, and everything else came with it. Yes. So you're, you're standing in the middle of Walmart, in your bra is what you're saying. Yes. You, said you had a bra on. Yes, yes I did. Yes, I did. And how was your blood pressure after that? If anyone wants to see this, if anyone goes to the website, People of Walmart, you shall see Heather standing in a perplexed and confused state in the middle of the pharmacy next to the blood pressure machine, Holding her sweater in her hand. And, uh, and make... old men clasping their chests. <laughs> well, and anything else. <laughs> yes, that could be very problematic. It was the dangers, very embarrassing. The dangers of having your blood pressure taken. Yes. I've got a lovely little story here from a place called Biso. It says, Biso has lovely new bus shelter. Now all it needs is a bus service. A village has been given a new bus shelter despite having no bus service. Biso, near Truro in Devon... Or is that Cornwall? That's Cornwall, isn't it? It was given the shelter by Cornish Concrete Products, which has its base in the village. Despite the presence of the eye-catching new structure, no public buses serve the residents or the business. This is why many men actually carry condoms in their wallets, you see. It's all about intention. The firm said it had provided the shelter. I'm here all week. The firm said it had provided the shelter to try and help the local community. Production manager Simon Lucas said, we just want to help and improve the area. For those residents waiting for a bus that never comes. I like the idea that a Victorian gentleman could be standing in a road waiting for the combustion engine to be invented so he can hail a taxi. That would be fabulous. (laughs) I bought a CD before I had a CD player. Again, that's slightly odd, but the intention's put out there, isn't yes. it? You see what I mean? That's, yeah. I, I bought a car that was a stick shift and I didn't know how to drive it. Greg had a shitload of pornographic magazines when he was 14. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> the end of that joke <laughs> doesn't need to be said, does it? It's all there for you. Signed up with a nice boat. <laughs> it says the old bus shelter was falling down and was becoming a bit of a hazard. We approached the council and asked if we could provide a new one for nothing. They agreed but said it would have to be similar to the old one. So we made one the same size but carved the word Biso into the front of it. There's no real focal point in the village when people come here so we thought this would 
mark it out. What must that village look like if the focal point of that village is now a concrete bus shelter? That's hardly somewhere you're going to put on your tourist list of places to go, isn't it? It's like putting electric poles up in Minnesota to improve the landscapes. That reminds me of a story I read that didn't quite make it, um, which they are selling a town in South Dakota. It's called, I think it's Sweat, South Dakota. Is that how you would pronounce it? It's S-W-E-T-T. Yes, but you've got to live in South Dakota. $400,000. You can buy the town... The bar, Sim City. everything, you could be the everything. Mayor. You get everything for four hundred thousand. On a slightly darker note, I am aware of organisations that are trying to buy up entire towns and villages so they can make them white supremacists and have what? the entire enclave or the entire village. You know, because I read a story and I'm trying to remember whereabouts it was, and it may have been North Dakota actually. I'll have to go and do some research, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm getting nods from everyone around the table, and. Uh, there's an organisation that's a white supremacist organisation and they've pretty much bought up the entire town and the only people that were in the town that were mixed race had a letter sent to them saying you're not welcome here anymore and we just want whites. This is where they're going to start their Aryan you know, race as it were in this small town. So I'm, wow. I mean this could get very dark. You could build that or buy that particular town and uh, you know you could make your own rules and you can start implementing your all own kinds. government absolutely you know this is where it starts this is this is your autonomous dictatorship right here in south dakota so if you wish to buy a town in south dakota there is one available apparently this is very interesting i um there's other things isn't there i'm talking about electric pylons i've got a friend in britain and there's a part of britain that's called norfolk and it's on the east coast and there isn't much there it's wetlands and sw- you know, swamps. It's like the Midwest plains in many respects. There's little in the way of trees or uh, hills and so forth. Very, very flat. And I've got a friend called Rob who works for the Electricity Board in uh, Britain. And his job is to erect electric power cables. And he often joked with me, you know, that while he was doing them, he was improving the landscape. But the interesting thing about Rob said that when he's at the top of these electric pylons and they fly him up there on a helicopter, so he's got a little suit on, and he's in a little basket and the helicopter goes to the top of this huge electric pylon, this huge electric pole. And he has to work on the top of this pole. And he could be there all day, of course, and there's no way of getting down. He used to tell me that, you know, if he got caught short, if nature began to decide to take its course of action and uh, things started to stir in the, in the lower intestinal tract, you know, there's nowhere, there's nowhere for you to go, is there? So he used to tell me tales of he'd be dangling, you know that far up in the air, a thousand foot in a little basket and, you know, he'd have to, uh, you know, evacuate, shall we say, from over the side of the, the little trolley he was standing on. And he said he used to write his name, which was quite a <laughs> remarkable. Well, his name, unfortunately, has an I in it. So he said the difficult part was dotting the I, but everything else he did from a great height. Oh, so there boring. we go. So if you ever see a man dangling by a helicopter... A on the top man of dangling? <laughs> have you ever seen a man dangling, Greg? Nope. <laughs> you need to get over to Britain, I would suggest. <laughs> Who has a story for me now in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Kim, I'm looking at you. Man tries to literally shoot the moon and gets arrested. <laughs> Have you had enough or do you want some more? <laughs> for the time being, police officers are still trying to figure out what it was that our planet's satellite did to make Cameron read this angry but even if they do find out it does not really make all that big a difference one does not simply shoot the moon not when it has been earth's companion for billions of years (laughs) 
and therefore entitled to some consideration, and definitely not when it is about 238,000 miles away. There we go. I'm sure Greg's shot on the moon a few times. <laughs> Officers arrived at 39-year-old Cameron Reed's home in Prescott Valley after his girlfriend called the police and said that the man was babbling about wanting to see Hallie's Comet and firing his handgun through the window. At the time, Cameron Reed was home together with his 49-year-old girlfriend and her 15-year-old son. Apparently, his odd behavior made both the woman and the teenager feel unsafe. I would think so. (laughs) This reminds me of a case in Wales. I'm sorry to have to pick on Wales again, but a gentleman in Cardiff rang the police once and said there was a UFO over his house, and the police were called. It turned out to be the moon. (laughs) You'd like to think he may have seen that a few times in the past, you know? Wasn't that there yesterday? I'm sure it was there yesterday, but it's changed in shape. It's got slightly thinner. It's it's losing weight now. It's a little bit red-tinted. There you go. How strange. Uh, Final sentence of this story. I have to read that to you. By the looks of it, Cameron Reed smoked some marijuana just before trying to execute the moon. So this might help explain his odd behavior. I'm sure sure there's many people listening to this show that at some point in their life have executed a moon. Have you? Probably out of have a Have you car. ever mooned anyone? Have I ever mooned anybody? I don't think... Uh, Greg, have you ever mooned anybody? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Greg shall have points for uh, moving outside of his comfort zone and not saying yes or no. You are back to a lovely fat round zero. I have a story here in the round of the strange and the bizarre. It says, doctors blow patient's head up like a balloon to prevent him from going bald. Going bald is a traumatic experience for everyone, but this man has a balloon fitted inside his head to cover the problem. Chris Stoyanoff of Worthing lived for six months with 950 millilitres of fluid in a grapefruit-sized growth on the back of his head. One of the things I'm going to step in and say straight away is that in the last few days I've started to see an advertisement on the television (laughs) where there's a gentleman who's bald. He's got this small black tin or can And he kind of rubs it on his head and suddenly... It's called magic hair. All his hair appears. (laughs) How's that work? What's going on there? I don't understand. Is there lots of people in France cutting their pubic hair and selling it in big pillowcases to the Americans that are pointing in tins? What is it, a mixture of glue and pubic hair? How does this work? Tell me what's going on. What was the guy's hair curly? He had no hair at all in some place. No, but afterwards on the commercial. Yes, yes, it was. He looked like one of the Jackson Five from 1973. He sang Rockin' Robin for 10 minutes, followed by ABC. I don't know. Does anyone know what this product looks like? or is? Yes, it's know, called magic hair. Magic hair. I was told that if you go bald at the sides, that means you're a thinker. I was told if you go bald on top, that means you're sexy. So uh, Nathan just thinks he's sexy. <laughs> Good times. It's going to be a long evening, ladies and gentlemen. It says the bulge stretched his skin, which was then pulled over. If anyone's just tuned in and just came on on that part. Excellent. Let's just say that again with a pause. So if anyone tunes in at this moment in time, this is the first thing they'll hear. The bulge 
stretched his skin, which was then pulled over his skull and stapled into place. It's lucky he wasn't losing his hair anywhere else, wasn't it? <laughs> Mr. Stoyanov said it was very uncomfortable. And as it got bigger, I had to be more and more careful that it didn't burst. Well, we've all been there, haven't we? It was a difficult six months, but I managed to take things very slowly and carefully. And it's proved a huge success. The 30-year-old endured multiple operations over 17 years after he had a tumour removed from the back of his head when he was a teenager. Mr. Stoyanov said after a few years, the tumour just grew back again and I went back and forth from the hospital. The constant operations left him with a large bald spot and Mr. Satanov was told his hair would never grow back. But after he moved from Bulgaria to the UK, surgeon Niall Kirkpatrick came up with an innovative solution to this problem. The procedure now means Mr. Stoyanov will never go bald. I'm at the point now, if anyone says to me, let me run my fingers through your hair, I actually take my shirt off. <laughs> Have you seen a picture of what they've done here? I'll just show you that. Again, for the benefit of our listeners, I will show you this picture. Mm. But what they've done is they've uh, made like a giant grapefruit on the back of the guy's head, which means that his head is slightly out of shape. And then uh, eventually they're going to pull that forward and uh, glue it into place. And he wow. shall It looks now... like a hairy boob. It, well, we've all been there, haven't we? We've witnessed those type of things. <laughs> Yes, a hairy boob. Ah, the round. Well, I've never seen a hairy boob. What does a hairy boob look like? Are you talking from personal That's experience? That's my ex. <laughs> <laughs> there will be letters. There will, there will be letters. I would love to hear all of your comments and suggestions as long as they're not mean. You can send those ones to Coast to Coast. Links to tonight's stories of the strange, paranormal and bizarre can be seen in all their glory on my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can send an email to mqta at rocketmail.com. We lumber like a zombie with food poisoning into the last round that is called Not For Your Mother. NFM. Those of you that are unaware of this round must realise that your mother needs to be removed out of the room. She needs to be placed in a quiet, dark corner of the house where she cannot hear the radio because these are the stories of the week that are laden with innuendo and all kinds of smutty references. Like nothing that's gone before like that, of course. This, no, is, this is the first chance we've had during this show to embrace yeah. such things. So if you have minors, young children, those that are easily offended what are you doing listening to our show i hear you cry who wants to start for me tonight kim let's go to you the scores are as follows kim has 10 heather has 10 i'm on woo-hoo. nine and Uh-oh. you complaining no i said woohoo. oh okay that was it <laughs> try to uh keep your enthusiasm under wraps for the time being won't you and greg is on zero so there is all <laughs> my mistake greg is on minus six um <laughs> See how quickly things can change in life. The good Lord giveth, and the good Lord takes six points away from Greg. What have you got for me tonight, Kim, in the round of Not For Your Mother? You have been warned. Woman reveals she had sex with dolphin during 1960s NASA experiment. <laughs> oh, that sounds a bit tight. I, um, you need WD-40 on that. How is that even? That's, that smells fishy to me. Was it a male dolphin or a female dolphin? Male. Oh, okay. That's perfectly fine then, obviously. A female animal researcher has admitted to sex with a male dolphin. 
Margaret Howell Lovett was stationed on the U.S. Virgin Islands as part of a NASA experiment to teach the intelligent mammals how to communicate. I can't believe. <laughs> I need to go teach some people how I to communicate. I can't believe this uh, five people sat around this table and we let the Virgin Islands go past. <laughs> Just saying. I was oh, getting a true. kick out of the communicate part. I know. <laughs> wow. She revealed in an upcoming BBC documentary that Ooh. it was in 1963 when a house was flooded to turn it into a dolphinarium allowing researchers to study the animals at close quarters. Yeah, man, we did a lot of things in 63. Well, hold on, hold on. A house was flooded so they could run around and act like humans underwater or what? It says dolphinarium. That's not a basement yeah. in anywhere in Minnesota at the moment, is it? Oh, yeah. It is. A lot of rain, a lot of rain we've had. Biblical rain. It's like the sea cut into vertical strips here at the moment. I've, there's a guy next door to me building an ark. I had a really, you know, and of course amateurs built the Ark and professionals built the Titanic. So, you know, draw your own conclusions. <laughs> I'll, I'll pause after this sentence because I know you're going to have fun with this one, Heather. Oh. The dolphins had names. One of them, nicknamed Peter, was a sexually maturing adolescent. Oh, I got it. I'm all over it. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> Do you reckon his mum went into his room and found, you know... Aquatic magazines under the bed. <laughs> Goldfish Weekly. There's always a big center spread of a guppy, isn't there? Wow. <laughs> she says, Peter liked to be with me. He would rub himself on my knee, my foot, or my hand, and I allowed that, she said. There you go. I That's translated for don't touch it, don't touch it. I was I wasn't uncomfortable as long as it wasn't too rough. It was just easier to incorporate that and let it happen. It was very precious and very gentle. Peter was right there. He knew that <laughs> I was right there. Now I got you. <laughs> Love it claims the sex play became a regular part of her studies, adding <laughs> it would just become part of what was going on like an itch. <laughs> Just get wow. rid of that scratch and we would be done and move on. I wonder what I wonder what that dolphin's actually saying. Dolphins speak to one another. I wonder when they recorded that dolphin noise that Greg's playing, what that I mean that dolphin could be saying something very random, couldn't it? Like would you like fries? A peanut with, butter jelly yeah, sandwich. Tan. I think yeah. I'll paint the walls tan. Come to my auntie's party or you know, I will not buy this record. It is scratched. It could be anything. It's very what, strange. What was that last sentence, Kim? Just let Essentially, which part? Greg. Greg's having far too much fun. That she made it a part of her regular studies? No, it's, it's, it's like an itch. Just oh, get just on. get rid of that scratch, and we would be done and move on. That sounds like every other woman. Yeah. <laughs> See, you, even if you're a male dolphin, you're you're not That's protected. Why I said tan. From... I think I'll paint it tan. She's, she's organizing Mexico's back four for their next game in her mind. Should we play with a sweeper or a flat back four? Are you done? That's terrible. Do you know what the what the problem is with this? Is that if that was a man and that was a female dolphin, he would go to prison for interfering with a female dolphin. You hear what I'm saying? It's like, you know, you you know, I have a, we have a lawyer sat around our table at the moment. If you're in your garden and you're male and a woman looks over the fence and you're sunbathing naked, mm -hmm. you're done for indecent exposure. Whereas if the woman's in a garden naked and you look over the wall, you're done for being a peeping Tom. Yeah, but you stay there for four hours. Well, it depends if there's a knot in the wood. <laughs> 
Just saying that's the difference, that's all. We're going to go to France now because it's been a while. It says French woman 71 cooks husband's genitals. A 71, the French eat anything, don't they? Have you noticed this? They're like snails, frogs. That's got to be rubbery, isn't now it? Now I know what you meant with your comment earlier about French recipes. <laughs> a 71 French woman is to undergo psychiatric testing after killing her husband and cooking his heart, nose, and genitals. That's going to be like eating a snail, isn't it? The French do like snails. I wonder if you could like batter that with garlic or something. Would that make that more palatable? I'm <laughs> looking into this far too much, actually, and everyone's looking at me very oddly. A judicial source, it probably needs a source, said the woman was arrested on May 22nd in the northern French town of Longvie, describing her as the female Hannibal Lecter, after the fictional cannibal in the thriller Silence of the Lambs. The woman killed her 80-year-old husband with a kitchen mortar. Of all the things to pick in a kitchen, you're in a kitchen... You've decided you're going to murder your husband. You go for the pestle and mortar. All the sharp objects, all the you know, various things you could choose. You rolling go, pin. Rolling pin, thank you. Well, that's, that came to mind very quickly, Kim. She went with the pestle and mortar. Just strange. It says here that she uh, used the pestle and mortar for grinding spices, then cooked his heart, nose and genital organs in a pot. But we don't know if she ate them, the source said. You know, if you cook genitals, it makes its own sauce, right? <laughs> the woman was being held in prison in a psychiatric unit is to undergo tests to determine if she can be responsible for her actions. I'm guessing, and I'm no expert in this area, but I, I guess in a few years' time, 40 years' time, I shall become an expert in this area. But uh, if you're eating the genitals of an 80-year-old man, we can't be talking more than an appetizer, can we? Is what I'm saying. That's not going to be a. It you're shrinks. Gonna have, you're going to have to have a lot of. Have to wrap it, it in bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I understand Kim will eat anything if it's wrapped in bacon. <laughs> wow, Greg. No. <laughs> you have French ancestry, don't you? <laughs> I thought you were going to ask him if he wrapped it in bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is that? It's the only way Kim will touch it. <laughs> <laughs> the irony is that Greg's allergic to bacon <laughs> so it must cause some sort of swelling <laughs> does he have an anaphylactic shock <laughs> antihistamines are the way <laughs> it's times like this I wish we had a camera because Greg's face <laughs> could paint a thousand words i just hope that the cocker van isn't on the menu is where i'm going with that so there we go. <sighs> points all round. fabulous what have you got for my last story tonight and the round that is not for your mother oh you know how i like geriatric women and men of course you do that's right women charged or a woman was charged for allegedly attacking a man with a knife and came for turning down her advances well, there you go. I know. Let's turn the lights down and run a nice, long, hot bath. Yeah, nice. Samal's your father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Florida 56-year-old woman was arrested after her 25-year-old friend told St. Lucie County Sheriff's officers that she chased him around with a knife and cane after he rejected her sexual advances. The man was hanging out with Elizabeth Hiley at her home and drinking wine when she started to put the moves on him. According but to if the... he was hanging out, she had every right to. Why didn't he put it away? <laughs> According to the man, 
When he rejected her proposition, she got angry and lost control. Hailey's friend took off after she allegedly began chasing him around with a cane and a hunting knife. Maybe she was going <laughs> to chop it off, just like that lady from France. Oh, yes. Yes, she, uh, the lady from France. There you go. Oh. <laughs> no, she didn't throw it out the window of a moving car. <laughs> I want to know how you know what the sound effect is of a flaccid penis that's been mutilated and cut off sounds like being thrown out of the window of a car moving at 70 miles an hour. How does one even know what that sounds like? I'm just imagining. Okay, you have a very vivid imagination, <laughs> Heather Morris. Prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the <laughs> and somewhere in the middle of a fight, a game broke out. <laughs> Am I driving? What's going? I don't know which part of the. You'd take someone clean off their feet, wouldn't you? <laughs> a deputy who was at a nearby convenience store saw Hailey run by with a knife in one hand and what appeared to be a broken walking cane in the other. Hailey dropped the weapons and she was taken into custody. She is now facing a felony aggravated assault charge. According to the arrest report, Hailey reeled or reeked of alcohol and didn't appear to care that she was going to jail. <laughs> with even a broken walking stick. Do you suppose she'll get conjugal visits? Con- <laughs> if they can find a conger eel, then I'm sure they conger will provide eel. one. I wonder if uh, you can have relations with a conger eel. I mean, if you can have relations with a dolphin, I mean, that leads to all kinds of other things, doesn't it? Just is that conger eel visits? Is that how that works? I'm not sure. <laughs> we have. Shocking. Shocking. And on that bombshell, ladies and gentlemen, what a week we've got in store for us in terms of inventions and discovering if things work. Or not. Can you imagine being stopped by the police and them asking what you're doing when there's a gentleman standing 200 yards further up the road and you're in a car revving with the window open? And a penis in your hand? Well, it can, well <laughs> Hugh Grant had that happen to him, I believe. <laughs> well, that, that was the excuse he gave. <laughs> Tonight's scores. Well, all good things come to an end. And the K2 meter with the dead battery and the flicking light is Greg on minus... <laughs> I was going to say six, minus eight. <laughs> I have come in joint. Joint, I have come in second on nine points. But there is a joint winner tonight. Heather and Kim are both tied for the lead. There will be a penalty shootout on a resplendent ten. High fives and a happy dance all round the room. I'm going to do a tiebreaker. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. First person to tell me what the name of the ghost was in the first story that didn't like the Victorian clothes. Okay. How many? <laughs> you were here when that happened, yeah? How many spots were there on the leopard? 325. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> Kim was awake. Do you know, I thought for the life of me you wouldn't get that. I was going to ask you a whole string of questions which would make you look like you had Well, I paid. debated between 325 and 326. It was, it was only 326 if you lifted the towel, remember? But that's, of course, where he sharpens his pencils. <laughs> You win the $33,000 IR camera because Heather wasn't quick enough. (laughs) I had other questions here, like where did the ghosts and bees come from? Which country? Nigeria. Nigeria. See, if I'd have said that, you'd have won. So you're in second place, unfortunately. You've now pushed me out to third. So Kim wins (laughs) the penalty shootout. It goes in off the post 
and everyone is cheering and she's through to the next round. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Chaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, Nathan and all at the International Paranormal Society, Int, paranormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember... Be interested and interesting. Good night.